0: Blow the bugle And I'll jump through How I'd love to take orders from you I know that rules were made for fools That's one thing I have learned But I'm going in for discipline Wherever you're concerned If you say kiss me Bells, i'm that way to a fall no rules or regulations would i obey then i met you and i knew right away if you're the captain i'll be the crew cause i just love to take orders from you you blow the bugle and i'll jump through how i'd love to take orders from you know that rules were made for fools that's one thing i have learned but i'm going in for discipline wherever you're concerned if you say kiss me that's what i'll do cause i just love to
1: take orders from you
0: Listen, I'm too wise I would rather listen To your eyes They have told me Lots of things, dear That you better self deny So I'd rather listen To those
1: eyes
0: There's nothing you could ever say That could convey Promise I've been waiting for. I look into your eyes and realize that they can tell me more. Eyes can be sincere and truthful, lips can tell a lot of lies. So I'd rather listen to your eyes.
2: So, that uh, brings us to our program of today, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. We are on WETF, the jazz station, South Bend, Indiana. My name is John Clark. Happy you're with us today. So, our first two tunes feature the vocals of our focus for today's program, a lady named Mildred Bailey, and uh, Mildred Bailey was really a, a... an underrepresented uh, jazz vocalist of the 1930s and the 40s too, but her really prime time of career in terms of her singing abilities and her jazz singing was in the 1930s. So those two tunes we heard were not terribly well known. They were by the very prolific songwriting team of Harry Warren and Al Dubin, who wrote for Warner Brothers and did a lot of the Warner Brothers uh, musicals of the 30s and so forth. And those two tunes that we heard were called I'd Love to Take Orders from You and I'd Rather Listen to Your Eyes. Not very well-known tunes, frankly not especially good tunes, but marvelous performances by Mildred Bailey and her backing group, and I'll tell you about them in just a second. So Mildred Bailey was, uh, as I said, a singer. Her maiden name, her birth name was Mildred Rinker, and she was a member of the uh, Cordelline Native American tribe. She grew up in Idaho with her family. Her mother was a charter member of the uh, tribe. They grew up on a reservation, actually, and she was early on introduced not only to popular music of the day the nineteen 10s, she was born in 1907, but to Native American music and singing styles as well. And she had a couple of brothers who were musicians, including Al Rinker, who came to be better known than probably even Mildred to some degree, at least early on, as a member of the Rhythm Boys, the vocal trio featuring Bing Crosby that uh, sang out on the West Coast in the 1920s and eventually joined Bing, uh, or joined Paul Whiteman's band in the uh, about 1927 or so and made a lot of great recordings with them. So, Mildred Bailey, uh, as I said, was born in 1907. She uh, ended up in the Seattle area. In the early 1920s, she married a fellow named Bailey, and hence her, uh, uh, her married name and her professional name of Mildred Bailey. She started singing quite a lot professionally on the West Coast with different bands and uh, as a solo act uh, before she ever made any recordings. And she was the one who was usually given credit for introducing Bing Crosby to jazz singers, like Louis Armstrong, for example, and also Bessie Smith and Ethel Waters, who were two big favorites of hers. Bing Crosby, in turn, introduced her to Paul Whiteman after he had joined that band, and Paul Whiteman was very fond of Mildred Bailey. Mildred Bailey was not what you would call a classical beauty. She was very short, rather stout. Uh, She said at some point that she had a voice that uh, should be listened to, not looked at. That was her quote, and she had a very light, flexible voice that was made for radio. She became an early uh, devotee of radio crooning, female radio crooning. And the way she could convey a song, as we heard in those first two songs, was very intimate and very... just very musical and not a shouting style at all and her first recordings were made with Hoagie Carmichael's band which I believe we heard on one of these earlier programs she also recorded with the Paul Whiteman band and Casaloma the white big band and then with the Dorsey brothers as well she was a almost a studio vocalist she could read music pretty well and uh, she could go into a studio and sight read songs and make them sound very personal and very musical and that was a great talent to have during the depression she sang regularly with the Paul Whiteman band for two or three years and I 1929 to 1933 or so. Uh, She ended up with that band in New York, where she remained pretty much the rest of her life making all those recording sessions. Uh, She uh, started making some of these early. one-off recording sessions with jazz musicians, uh, and some of that had to do with her next husband, Red Norvo, the xylophonist and vibraphonist, white band leader, a really extraordinary player. He led his own big band, a small big band of about 12 pieces, from the mid-1930s, about 1936, up into the early 1940s, a very uh, intellectual band. It was a, a precursor to cool jazz, if you want to think of it that way, and she was, of course, his regular singer. She married Red in 1933. They stayed married till about 1942, and uh, they were a package deal for quite a while, although Mildred did sing numerous outside engagements and make recording dates. She even sang uh, on record with Benny Goodman as his regular vocalist on records for a while in the early 1940s. So we just heard, as I said, those two tunes. I'd love to take orders from you, and I'd rather listen to your eyes. And those were recorded on September 24th of 19... Uh, or actually September 20th of 1935 for the Brunswick label, and they featured a uh, an all-star jazz cast. First of all, Red Norvo was on there someplace playing xylophone. He wasn't really heard on those two tunes. We're going to finish up the program in a little less than an hour with the other two tunes from that date, and we will hear a little Red Norvo xylophone. Uh, we heard Gordon Chris Griffin, who was a, a trumpet player known for playing with Benny Goodman. He was on the Carnegie Hall concert of 1938. I believe he was the last surviving member of that band. He lived to be about 90. I think he lived to about 2005. Uh, he also played with Joe Heyman's band in the earlier 30s and uh, did a lot of session work. Ended up in the radios, in the radio stations and, and studio bands in the 40s and 50s and made a, made a nice living, but occasionally did come back and do some jazz dates. On tenor sax, we have the great Chew Berry, the African-American tenor sax player. was born in uh, 1908 in Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh, he came to New York and it was almost immediately recognized in about 1933 as a successor to the style of Coleman Hawkins, who was really the, the be-all and end-all of tenor sax in New York to that point. And Hawkins left for New York, not or rather left for Europe from New York, shortly after Chewberry's uh, appearance uh, in the city. So he took over a lot of what Hawkins had been doing. He played for Benny Carter's band, recorded with Benny Carter and Spike Hughes. He ended up going with the Fletcher Henderson Band and, and was a key soloist in that for a couple of years in 1936-1936 before he joined the Cab Calloway band and he was the chief soloist with that group and stayed with them until 1941 when he unfortunately died in a car accident. But he made quite a few recordings under his own name as well as those other band leaders and we got a good sense of his playing on those two tunes especially the first one. I'd love to take orders from you. We had, on piano, Teddy Wilson, who was one of the most prolific pianists of the 1930s. He led his own recording series for Brunswick that featured Billie Holiday on many of the sides, but not all of them. He uh, had other singers as well. And he had a rotating cast of jazz characters, white and black players, um, who would uh, staff those uh, studio dates. And this is one that's similar to that, except this was released under the title of Mildred Bailey and Her Swing Band. On guitar, we have Dick McDonough, who was a white guitarist who had uh, taken Eddie Lang's place when he died uh, in the New York studios playing jazz. He also did some fine guitar duets with Carl Kress. He passed away quite young uh, from the effects of alcoholism in 1938. And then Artie Bernstein on bass, who was a very busy bass player, played quite a lot with Benny Goodman's early bands in the 1930s before leaving music to become a lawyer. And then, finally, we have a fellow named Eddie Doherty on drums. Now, Eddie Doherty, I don't know much about him. He was a session drummer. He didn't play with any really high-profile bands for any length of time. He was an African-American player who uh, played with Dickie Wells' band early in the 30s before either one of them had hit it big. But he appears on a lot of recording dates in the 1930s and into the 40s as well. And, of course, we have Mildred Bailey on vocals. So I'm going to focus uh, today on three recording dates with possibly a a little drift into another one if we have time. But the first one we heard, as I said, was Brunswick from 1935, Mildred Bailey and her swing band. We're going to hear the other two tunes at the end of the program. So right now we're going to hear four tunes from an interesting uh, date from 1939, March 16th of 1939, this recording session was made for Vocalion, and it was done under the title of Mildred Bailey and Her Oxford Grays, kind of a clever name. It was an African-American uh, band, except for Mildred Bailey, uh, and as I said, she had a lot of Bessie Smith influence and... and. Um, enthusiasm for that style of classic blues. In fact, she was a friend of Bessie Smith's, and uh, they apparently thought very highly of each other's abilities, even though they sounded nothing like each other. So we're going to hear Mildred Bailey do one Bessie Smith tune, as well as uh, a couple of other tunes from the 1920s, and then something else as well. We're going to start out with the Arkansas Blues by Anton Lada. Uh, This was a tune that went back to about 1922 and was Uh, partially a a 12-bar blues, but partially not. It was answering the the blues craze for blues titled tunes. Then we're going to do There'll Be Some Changes Made, one of the great standards of the 1920s, uh, the Gulf Coast Blues, one of Bessie Smith's first recordings, and then we're going to finish out that short set with The Barrel House, Blues. And uh, well, or actually, it's called Barrel House Music, I should say. And we'll talk about that when we get uh, over on the other side. And I should mention the band with her features Mary Lou Williams, the great piano player with the Andy Kirk Band, along with the guitar player of the Andy Kirk Band, Floyd Smith, on electric guitar. John Williams is on bass, and Eddie Doherty, again, on drums. So we're going to hear those four tunes the Arkansas Blues, there'll be some changes made, Gulf Coast Blues, and Barrelhouse Music. <laughs>
0: Taken me. I'm so weary, days are full of gloom. Homesickness has got me down in mind. Way down in old Arkansas, in old Dixie, my log cabin home. Where the southern folks are good and kind I find, I see the right track I got my trunk packed And I have asked the good Lord to take the train back That's heading south, take me to Dardanelle Ain't got no time to lose I'm tired of roaming, I'm tired of roaming I long to see my mammy and my home in. Old oh, log Cabin land way down in the dell i've got the arkansas blues yes i've got the arkansas blues I've loved a man For many years gone by I thought his love for me Would never die But he made a change And said I would not do So now I'm gonna make Some changes too There's a change in the weather There's a change in the sea And from now on There'll be a change in me My walk will be different My talk and my name Nothing about me is gonna be the same I'm gonna change my long talk To a little short fast I'll even change the number where I'm living at Cause nobody loves you when you're old See some changes made. A change in the weather, a change in the sea, and from now on, there'll be a change in me. My walk will be different, my talk and my name. Nothing about me is gonna be the same. I'm gonna change my long talk to a little short fast. I'll even change the number where Keeps on snowing. I will be glove cold bound. Mailman passed by, but it didn't leave me no news. The mailman passed by, but it didn't leave me no news. Frying and go. and
2: certainly weren't too many singers in the 1930s who could deal with the uh, amount of uh, or the range of material that Mildred Bailey did. She was probably closest in style or, or outlook, I guess, to a singer like Ethel Waters, who she admired greatly, in singing such an array of types of music from very backwater blues, like uh, Gulf Coast Blues, all the way up to extremely sophisticated material. And the recordings she made uh, with the Red Norvo band in the mid to late 30s are examples of that. Uh, Norvo's arranger at the time was a man named Eddie Sauter, who wrote uh, arrangements for Benny Goodman a little bit later, a very uh, progressive, sophisticated arranger who utilized a lot of modern harmonic effects, classical things, so forth. And he and Mildred Bailey apparently had an occasionally contentious relationship, and so So he admitted later on, uh, in order to tick her off at one point, he created an introduction to a tune, I think it was Smoke Rings, that was so harmonically nebulous that he thought she would never be able to find her first note. But she was so sure-footed and had such a good ear, she never got lost. So she was able to impress very fine musicians with her musicianship. So we started out that session with uh, Mildred Bailey being backed by the Oxford Grays with the Arkansas Blues. That tune goes back to about 1922. It was composed by Anton Lada, who was a drummer who I think came from Czechoslovakia. He ended up in Chicago and led a dance band uh, that made a number of recordings. And uh, that had a nice boogie-woogie feel, courtesy of Mary Lou Williams, who was an outstanding pianist. She is a, a musician who's never gotten her due as a, uh, a performer, as a pianist. She's been given lots of props in terms of being a composer and an arranger, but her piano playing was definitely, or definitely put her at the top level of jazz pianists in the 1930s. She was uh looked at very favorably by other pianists like Earl Hines and Fats Waller, and a little bit later, uh, Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk looked up to her as a mentor as well, so she's somebody who should be definitely rediscovered. We had Floyd Smith on electric guitar, although actually the solos we heard, he was playing acoustic guitar, which was a little unusual for him, but uh, good to hear him in a solo uh, form anyway. He was playing with the Andy Kirk band along with Mary Lou Williams at the time, and he's usually given credit for being the first uh, featured electric guitarist in a jazz band, on record anyway. He, he predated uh, Charlie Christian by a little bit, although we'd have to look at some of the western swing bands uh, to see the really first uh, examples of recorded electric electric guitar solos. Then, as I said, we had Eddie Doherty on drums and Johnny Williams on bass, and Johnny Williams was another ubiquitous presence in the recording studios. He was an African-American bass player who played with Coleman Hawkins, um, Louis Armstrong. He had played briefly uh, in a rhythm section for the Benny Goodman Orchestra in the early 1940s that featured himself and Big Sid Catlett on drums, but neither one of them got along with Benny Goodman too well, so they left shortly thereafter and went to the Louis Armstrong band. So after Arkansas Blues, we heard uh, a Benton Overstreet tune called, There'll Be Some Changes Made, performed at a, an unusually slow tempo, but with a couple of different verses. Uh, people don't usually sing the verse, so it's nice to hear not one, but two verses on that version. Then we heard the Bessie Smith tune, Gulf Coast Blues, not composed by Bessie Smith, apparently composed by Clarence Williams, who accompanied her on the original recording. Uh, and. Uh, uh, Mildred Bailey does an outstanding job of paying tribute to her friend Bessie Smith who had died two years earlier. Then we finished with an odd tune called Barrel House Music composed by a very Uh, original composer named Willard Robeson, and he was a composer and band leader from the 20s and 30s who did a lot of sort of under-the-radar tunes that have become uh, very much treasured by jazz players over the years. Things like Old Folks is uh, probably his best-known tune, but he did a lot of other kind of uh, pastoral type of uh, pop tunes that uh, were not... uh, Southern in the sense of being plantation or, or you know, uh, racially insensitive tunes so much, but just things that sort of captured almost natural things in, in, in their lyrics. Very, very unusual and very pleasant tunes, and we got a little bit of a sense of that in Barrel House music, although that's not one of his more characteristic numbers. Well now we're going to go on to a session that was done in December 6th of 1935 and this is a, a session that was put together by John Hammond. John Hammond of course was a jazz producer who uh, was also Benny Goodman's brother-in-law. He was a, a, a son of the Vanderbilt family so he had some significant means and he applied those means in uh, furthering the cause of jazz and African-Americans especially. He was a, an early crusader for uh, integration and, and uh, racial equality and civil rights. And his career extended through the music business and through politics as well up into the 1980s, I believe. He uh, had um, uh, a hand in introducing uh, people like uh, Benny Goodman, certainly, but also Count Basie, uh, Aretha Franklin. Mahalia Jackson, Bob Dylan, all, all sorts of people over the years into the recording studios. He was also responsible for both the first uh, recordings of Billie Holiday and the last recordings of Bessie Smith. So he has an inter- had an interesting and colorful career. Sometimes he's uh, uh, accused of being insensitive to his artists, but uh, his track record is pretty remarkable in terms of who he was able to help and how, he, how much jazz he was able to get on record. And this recording from December of 1935 was done for the Parlour Phone label that was recorded specifically for European markets. Um, this was of course a pretty bad part of the depression. It was coming to the end of the depression in terms of music because the swing era was just about beginning. Um, the Benny Goodman Band had been uh, just finding its first major popularity the fall of 1935. But these recordings, as I said, were, were targeted for the European audience. And they are uh, done by Mildred Bailey and her Alley Cats. Clever names. I don't know if she had the, the wherewithal to, to, to dictate the names of her bands, but they're all very interesting. This is an especially interesting band. There are no drums on this, but you don't know from the rhythm. Uh, very solid rhythm that was led by Teddy Wilson again on piano and Gracken Monser on bass. And he was a a bass player who was playing with the Savoy Sultans around now, uh, 1935. He was the half-brother of the leader of that band, Al Cooper. Later on, his son, Gracken Monster III, uh, became a trombone player who was very well-known in jazz. So that's the rhythm section, piano and bass, and the horn section is a remarkable one. Bunny Berrigan on trumpet, the great white player who was, uh, at that time, playing with the Benny Goodman band and had already recorded some... Uh, fairly earth-shattering solos with that band on King Porter Stomp and Sometimes I'm Happy and was a big part of why uh, the Goodman band uh, was uh, a commercial success out of the Palomar Ballroom in Los Angeles in the summer of 1935. And here he is in a combo date uh, paired in the front line with Duke Ellington's great alto sax player Johnny Hodges. On paper, it doesn't look like this band should work at all, but it surely does, as we will hear. We're going to hear the four tunes that they recorded on that session. We're going to hear the James P. Johnson uh, and Fats Waller tune, Willow Tree, followed by another Fats Waller tune, Honeysuckle Rose, Another Fats Waller tune called "Squeeze Me," uh, which was a sort of a development of a lot of different tunes, and then another Bessie Smith tune that was composed by Alberta Hunter and Lovey Austin called "The Downhearted Blues." So some great blues playing, as well as some great Tin Pan Alley jazz playing by Mildred Bailey and her Alley Cats. Whoa.
0: Oh, so sweet, can't be beat. Nothing sweeter ever stood on feet. Every honey is filled with jealousy when they see you out with me. I don't blame the goodness know. honey suckle rose. And when you pass them by, flowers droop and sigh. I know the reason why. You must sweeter goodness no. Honey suckle roll. Don't buy sugar You just have to touch my cup You my sugar It's sweet when you stir it up When I'm taking sips from your tasty lips, seems the honey fairly drip Cause you can section goodness knows Honey Suckle Rose But it's standing close by Oh, daddy, don't let your sweet baby cry Just pick me up on your knee I just get so you know oh, when you squeeze You want me, you gotta come under my
2: Classic jazz session, Mildred Bailey and her Alley Cats. Four great tunes. Willow Tree, uh, which was uh, done by James P. Johnson, I guess input by Fats Waller for their show in 1927, I think it was called Sippy. Uh, That was a a great performance of that tune by Mildred Bailey with some fine Johnny Hodges playing and some Bunny Berrigan as well, both of whom were featured on the next one. Honeysuckle Rose, which Fats Waller composed in 1929 for a show called Load of Coal. And then Squeeze Me, which uh, was a tune that uh, had originally been called Boy in the Boat and had uh, not suggestive but outright dirty lyrics which were cleaned up by Fats Waller and Clarence Williams and turned into a pop tune called Squeeze Me, here done with uh, some winning in Zouchance by Mildred Bailey. And Then we finished up with the great Bessie Smith tune "Downhearted Blues," not composed by her, but uh, her uh, her first recording. Bessie Smith uh, started recording in 1923, and that was her first recording, accompanied only by Clarence Williams. That tune that had been actually made famous by its original composer, Alberta Hunter, a couple of years earlier, uh, and it became a standard after that. But uh, not many people were recording it as a blues vocal like that in the 1930s, and it shows uh, Mildred Bailey's. Uh, enthusiasm about uh, her predecessors and her knowledge of the history of jazz and blues as well. So Mildred Bailey, as I said, uh, spent several years touring, uh, playing, singing, and recording with the Red Norvo Orchestra, and she came to be known pretty well from that. They did a lot of radio broadcasts. She was a a regular feature on different radio shows, Paul Barron's radio show. Um, She was a regular guest with Benny Goodman, who thought very highly of her. In fact, at a time, about 1940 or so, Goodman wasn't too thrilled with any of his vocalists and couldn't find one he liked, so he simply used Mildred Bailey on the recordings and toured with whoever was available until he found Peggy Lee, I guess, and that was when the the vocal problems for the Benny Goodman Band were temporarily solved, anyway. And uh, Bailey started doing more sort of cabaret gigs in the 1940s, uh, doing uh, engagements at Cafe Society and smaller venues like that that sort of fit her uh, small, sophisticated, and very subtle voice. Uh, By the end of the 40s, she was having serious health problems. She was overweight, she was diabetic, she was having... uh, uh, heart issues as well, and she had to retire a couple of times and actually had to be bailed out of financial difficulties by friends, including Bing Crosby. Um, but uh, she did uh, live until about 1951, when she finally had to give up the ghost. She just couldn't continue any longer. She did make recordings up until about 1950 and sounded excellent on all her recordings right up until the end. So having Mildred Bailey in our uh, jazz corner here is is certainly an, an excellent uh, thing. So we are going to finish up this program with Two tunes uh, that uh, finish off the set that we began with. Um, Mildred Bailey and her swing band featuring Chew Berry and Teddy Wilson, Chris Griffin, Dick McDonough, Artie Bernstein, and Eddie Daugherty from 1935. Uh, someday, Be, or sorry, rather, someday, Sweetheart, great uh, anthem of the early 1920s Chicago. Jelly morton may have had a hand in writing that. It was um, usually given credit to the Melroses, who were publishers at the time. A lot of bands recorded that in the 1920s. And Mildred Bailey here sings it uh, beautifully in a nice swing style. And then we'll finish the whole program with When Day is Done, uh, which usually is thought of as a very slow kind of sad tune. When Day is Done and Shadows Fall, I'll Think of You, and you can get all the melodramatic qualities you like out of that. Um, Paul Whiteman had a recording of that featuring Henry Bussey that was very kind of slow and frankly dreary. Uh, this is not. This is the fastest recording we're going to hear today, and Mildred Bailey really cuts loose, as does chewberry Berry on this one. So before that, let me tell you, you're listening to The Jazz, focused on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. My name is John Clark, Happy to be with you. Hope you've enjoyed this Mildred Bailey program and hope you've developed an appreciation for music as well. Uh, Do listen to my podcast, Jazz Focus, on Anchor.fm and Spotify and many other platforms as well. And uh, let me know if you'd like to hear any specific programs coming up.
0: Love me true And I believed in you You broke your vow Now somehow It seems I'm always blue But there'll come a day When you're far away You'll sit alone and cry For me you'll sigh And the days that have gone by Someday, sweetheart you may be sorry for what you've done to my poor heart you may regret the vows you've broken and the things you did that made us drift apart your how the weary blue will ever come to you but as you sow Read this.